Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Please leave us a review, a comment, either on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to this show, please leave us a review. It really helps us out in terms of growing the show, getting us seen in the algorithm and all that stuff. Please also make sure to go give us a subscribe on the Christian Reeve Podcast Clips channel on YouTube, on Instagram. I think there's one on TikTok as well. Of course there is one. I know this. Uh, Please just help us out. And uh, more importantly, enjoy the show. Thank you so much. So you also pursued a dream of becoming a bodybuilder. Yeah. And I think this is really, really fascinating. Like, what were the key takeaways from this and the lessons that you took from this experience? Again, I think how to present yourself, how to stand out, how to be different and unique. Uh, Everything down to the music, your posing music that you use. So I know this is uh, controversial, but I'll share it anyway. There was two pieces of music that I really used. One of them was Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. The other was Chris Benoit's theme. Um, And I used that. I mean, I had every single move turn everything down to a fine art. Um, Again, talking about the addictive personality, I was training like my life depended on it. You know, and I think if you're going to go into something, anything really, it's, it's go in with that focus, you know, again, figure out what it is that you want to do. But if you can learn marketing and you learn sales, those are going to be your two biggest assets. Because if you've got those, you can market and sell anything. It really is that simple. But with bodybuilding, I mean, it, it taught a lot with regards to confidence and with regards to what is actually possible and really what you want to do in life as well. I mentioned at the top of this that you've had like a lot of challenges, uh, particularly health challenges that have have been setbacks in your life. And as I understand from my research with wrestling, with bodybuilding, (laughs) the reason why you were not able to sort of keep pursuing that was because of these challenges. So could you speak to us a little bit more about the challenges you faced with health and ultimately how you've overcome them and kept evolving and changing as a human being? I think that's a really great question because a lot of people seem to touch on that these days. And I, I don't want to say it's it's not real, but some of the times I think it's it's milked a little bit more than what it actually, you know, is. So I was 15 years old. I got diagnosed with colitis, which is ulcers basically in your stomach. Um, wow. It seems to be more and more of a, I don't want to say popular condition these days, but a lot of teenagers seem to have it, largely because of the diet, largely because of you know additives in food, water, and ultimately living lifestyle as well. Um, so I had been training in terms of weightlifting by that point for maybe about three, four years. Um, I had looked at going into powerlifting at one point and, um, you know, it, it was a fellow that worked with my dad, who was a big jacked up guy. And he literally was like, you're training more like a, a you know, power lifter or a bodybuilder, you know? So maybe don't think about the Olympics because I just couldn't put on weight to save my life. I mean, I really struggled as a, you know, I was ripped to the core, but I, I literally just couldn't put on weight to save my life. Was that because of high metabolism or the health problems? Yeah, seriously high metabolism. So again, I had, you know, like a, an eight pack, you know, without trying. You know, it was literally muscles on, on top of muscles. I didn't have to diet at all when going to bodybuilding shows because I was just so ripped. Um, you know, that changes as you get a little bit older. But, <laughs> um, I've still got a really high metabolism, which actually still worked really, you know, in my favor. But with regards to health, so I get diagnosed when I'm 15 years old. I don't really know much about it. They give you all this medication and everything that you got to take. They didn't know much about it in terms of the doctors at that time, uh, even though it was discovered in the late 1800s. Um, there was still a whole lot. We don't know what's, or, or, or we're not willing to place a definition on what causes it or anything else. Um, I have my own suspicions for sure, um, based on the research that I've done. Uh, you know, so, so that's going on by the time I was 17, I was competing in my first bodybuilding shows. I was one of top five in Britain at one point in time, most places I was at least number one or two. And, um, you know, that was, that was super cool. It's like you're living the dream, but you are excreting blood basically 
you know, every time you go. Uh, and it's excruciatingly painful. The, the best way I can describe it is like someone holding a lit flame or a garden rake being pulled across your insides. It's horrible. Um, also, having medication that works can help. <laughs> so, so I'm not a spiritual practitioner that just totally prescribes, you know, spirit, spirit, spirit. Sometimes you do need an external, you know, thing to sort things out. Um, but I was told, you know, I was about 18 years old, doing really, really well in bodybuilding. Uh, and uh, I was basically told, if you keep doing this, it, it, it ain't looking good for you. You know, basically people with ulcerative colitis, they sit in a rocking chair and they wait to die. You know, you need no stress. You need none of that. So I competed all the way through my, my second year, did very, very well. Um, there was a, a number of health scares that happened on my last show. Um, thankfully, nothing fatal happened with that. But, you know, that, that was, <laughs> it was always the potential. And then it was like, okay, what are you going to do next? Um, you know, and, and, you know, really found my next path. It was, you know, again, I, I firmly believe, you know, in, in divine spirit and God, in omens and, and, you know, everything being led, nothing just randomly happens. And oftentimes when you look back on these things, you're like, this is how this connects. Even if it doesn't make sense right now, it may do, or it may not be for you to make sense of later on. So that happened. I then became a youth worker. Um, feel free to jump in at any point, Christian, because I'll just rattle some information out because there was, you know, maybe four key things that had happened in in my, my life to this point. Um, and I started studying uh, at a theological college. I was then diagnosed with dyspraxia, um, which is meant to be how your movement sort of happens. And, and you, you know, you can sort of trip over nothing, for example. For me, this was more to do with my eyes and how I process things more than anything else since found ways to, to you know deal with that as well which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute because it's not all doom and gloom but i have i have to <laughs> pardon the pun paint the picture um you know and then you know there was dyspraxia there was dyslexia that was thrown there you go through your whole manner of tests um i just physically couldn't get academia into my head at that point i just didn't have the maturity to to get it i have a severe flare-up of colitis uh when i'm studying i end up hospitalized and, and that was basically the end of that. Anytime I tried to go back, I ended up severely ill. So you fast forward a couple of years, um, all manner of other things going on. Um, there was a, a time in my life, and again, breadcrumbs, um, where colitis was so severe. Because you, you told a number of things with colitis that it can either become cancerous or your bowel can basically explode. Those are your kind of your options if this is not taken care of. The flip side of that is the medication that they give you. If you are me, you can be seriously susceptible to almost borderlining personality disorder as a result of medication. It's like something's there and it triggers it. And, you know, it, it's, you know, if, you, if you're a little bit happy, you're like Bugs Bunny. If you're a little bit depressed, you're ready to throw yourself off the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it, it's, it's a really bizarre twist. The other thing about it is, if anyone's seen the uh, the Marvel series Moon Knight, which my wife and I are previously going through, it's like that. Once you take this pill, you literally have no recollection until the effects of the medication wear off, which is really dangerous and really frightening. Um, that had a whole host of stuff that had happened in, in, in my life um, as a result of that. Um, but then the final thing that really happened that we discovered more, you know, probably within the last sort of three or four years when I was writing more and more was amaurosis, which is temporary blindness. So you can literally be having a conversation like what we are now and your sight just goes, you know, or you can be writing completely normal, blah, 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 blah. Your sight just goes, it doesn't hurt. It's basically your optical nerve just spasming. Most, most people optical nerve does this and it's just pulsating just normally where you go. How long would it last for on average? It, it varies. So there's sometimes it can last for five minutes, so sometimes it can last for half an hour. Um, now, what was, what was that the most dangerous situation where it sort of um, triggered when you were? I, I would with say I don't think it ever triggered when I was learning to drive. I was going to um, say that would be the yeah, most terrifying. I, I did. I mean, unfortunately, I was on a medication uh, at that point, and I was, I was. You know, it was like in and out of body experiences. And I remember, you know, talking to my driving instructor about that. And he was like, you shouldn't be on the road. And my wife was bummed about that. My mother-in-law was bummed about that. And I'm like, what would you rather, you know, that I kill someone or that, you know, I, I, I don't drive. Um, yeah. 
You know, so, so the, the umpteen ways, I mean, I've, I've survived 35, 36 years without, you know, driving. I get about fine, you know, but, uh, but yeah, amaurosis, the first time that that happened that I can recall, I was sitting on a train going from air to, I think it was either Glasgow or Paisley, which is about a 45 minute journey. And I'm sitting there looking out the window and everything's nice. And all of a sudden my sight just goes just like that. All I hear is the ticket, <laughs> the ticket guy coming. And I can see sometimes that my peripheral vision, sometimes that goes, sometimes it's your frontal vision. But the ticket guy comes by, he's like, can I check your tickets? And I'm like, I would love to be able to share this with you, but I can't see right now. And he was like, are you on drugs? Are you high? Are you, you know, because again, this is an unusual thing. It's like one in, I think, 100,000 people that actually have this. Um, but yeah, that was that was one of the most bizarre uh things but most of the time like i say it doesn't hurt often thankfully but uh yeah so those those four things when you combine them all together you know you have to learn how to evolve and how to deviate and how to switch up what you're doing because otherwise you know it's like what are you going to do you know? Well, this is something I wanted to stress on as well, is that you have reinvented yourself several times over when most people probably would have quit yeah. Yeah. and and no one would have blamed them, yeah. if anything. Like, I mean, wrestling was a big dream for you. Mm -hmm. Your health let yeah. you down. Same with bodybuilding again. Like, how did you find the inner strength to to get through that and go, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to try something else. I'm going to reinvent myself again. Like, where do you I, get I that? I think from? the answer is simple. My brain just doesn't work that quickly. <laughs> That's what I tell people. It's like, how did you not get terrified about this? You know, when, when you've been in dangerous situations, things simple. It wasn't that I was being really brave or really tough guy. It was like my brain just does not work that quickly. It's like, oh, I'm in this dangerous situation. It'll get there in a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and yet your brain's having 60,000 thoughts every single day. Uh, but, but it's just that whole thing. It's like, I go into another plane. I go into a completely different gear. Um, we, we had this when Facebook changed their rules, uh, of, of how we were able to promote and how we were able to market and things. And they were just like, nope, you can't sell your paintings anymore. We can't do this from a, a personal page. You've got to now have a business page. So you've got to reestablish yourself. And I was like, I know, let's go and build an art school. You know, it's like, because I was just like, okay, if we can't do this, then we need to do this. Um, there's, there's always been something more, you know, certainly guiding, you know, for me, it was God, you know, that was just leading guiding. And it's, you know, and, and I, I, I think one of the things that really sets me apart when I talk about God and divine spirit and things is I don't bullshit, you know, genuinely, I will be straight. I'm, I'm not going to sit there, you know, as a religious preacher on a Sunday morning, that's going to be like, well, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. You got to have your theology. F your theology. Do you think God is limited to your theology? You know, and, and it's just like, I look at what's going on. I look at what's happening within me. And there's never been a moment where I sat there and thought, I can't do this. You know, even with the new novel series, you know, I told my wife now, again, for a guy with amaurosis, a guy with dyspraxia and dyslexia, you tell somebody you're going to write a best-selling novel and you, you've got the grammar skills of a three-year-old, you know, what do you do about this? Well, the answer is simple. You study that which you desire to become. So I sat under some of the world's best authors, the Dan Browns of this world, the Joyce Carol Oates, the Margaret Atwoods, the uh, Neil Gaiman's, you know, and I listened and I absorbed and I studied grammar. I studied every single thing that I needed to do rather than, oh, I can't do this because of this. That's why any people that we work with that are, you know, claiming benefits or they've got a disability or they've got this, that and the other, and they tell me, oh, I can't do this. I'm just like, Really? <laughs> can you think can you move your arms those are the only two things you need to do to work remotely and more often than not the answer is yeah right you're in a wheelchair perfect it means you don't need to get an office chair you can sit and work on a laptop you know literally i mean we had someone yesterday that was like the worst thing that happened to us you know was was, was so and so lost their job i was like really i came back from america i had my entire life taken away from me i had my health taken away from me the church that i worked for basically took a massive dump all over me it wouldn't help yeah. everything going on is that really the worst thing and then the response was way to put it in perspective i'm like that's what i do <laughs> yeah i wanted to touch on this because you mentioned I, I got a lot of the information when i did my research on your yeah. website it's very useful i recommend <laughs> people check it out you stepped away from the church yeah and people stopped wanting to be involved with you now i looked i remember reading this and just thinking like yeah i wonder why like people are so fickle 
when as, as soon as okay. soon as you try something a bit different or you express maybe a disinterest in something or a change of perspective or view or, or whatever um it's amazing like, it's, or like i've noticed this as well sometimes like you'll make a mistake in life mm-hmm. and suddenly people just like kick you to the curb like you're nothing yeah. like, like oh well, you made a mistake well therefore you you're just nothing to me now and it's like yeah. wow okay why did why did people react this way to you and and why did you choose to step away from the church so going back to what we're talking about with um colitis because it, it plays a really pivotal role in all the stuff that's going on so i had had a flare-up of colitis in i want to say 2015 i think it was 20 yeah it was 2015 so serious stuff and you start to think there's a perforation in your bowel you know that you know you got to be on this medication and it's called prednisone or prednisolone as we say here in the uk um and literally that is the stuff that is you know multiple personality disorder kind of breeding stuff so you got to be really careful when you take about this stuff again i'd done my research afterwards and was literally just like wow okay this is you know i'm not the only one that's susceptible to this there are other people so i take the medication again you, you zone out you have these you know complete blanks and everything else and at some point during the night I'd um, said something inappropriately. Uh, again, I never looked at what the message was afterwards, uh, but basically I have a rough idea of, of what was there. And I take accountability for that. Now, the flip side of this, because it was something that I held for a long time afterwards, just shame, you know, shame and embarrassment and everything about it. Um, you know, it, it was literally like, I, it was basically like, you know, I was the devil's son in, in, in the church's mind. They blew this out of proportion. The person that I'd spoken to blew this out of proportion. And it's like, okay, so you haven't been, you know, again, to, to understand everything, there are three sides to every story. There's yours, there's mine, there's the truth. I remember things in such intricate detail that if I feed you back lines, you can almost guarantee you can knock out the, the last option. And then you can tell me if, if what I'm saying is, is the nonsense. So this person had been flirting with me, had been, you know, very much around the youth groups and whatnot, um, you know, was, was, you know, a mother in the 40s or whatever, and uh, on and on and on and on and on. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so you didn't do any of this then. You didn't, leave, you didn't plant seed. You didn't tell me about affairs that you were having, X, Y, Z. And it was just an unfortunate night that again the seeds had been the seeds had been sown. You said something, you know, when you were unawares and whatnot. Fine, okay. Again, like we said earlier on, have the good graces not to blow things out of proportion, but to deal with things. You know, um, that's my view. I know, I know that's how I would deal with it. And I've, you know, obviously had the flip side of that experience uh, afterwards. Um, so basically, I, I get into the church. I tell them prior to any of medication and prior to any of this happening look i need to go on this medication do you want me to continue working they said yep absolutely fine so they were aware of absolutely everything what happens happens uh again like i say it was not with a youth it was with an older mother and it was a message it was not physical contact or anything like that um and it wasn't even that bad to be honest with you from, from what i'm gathering from what other people have said uh, because she literally opened her mouth about this and tried to destroy my relationship and a big part of that was because i hadn't acted on her advance as many years ago i'll be honest and just say that interesting yeah so i uh, the, the funny thing about it is i'm about to get married at that point and uh, so again tell my wife all about that we finally realize what the root is of all this go see the doctors yep it's confirmed this is what's happened blah 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 blah, blah. they were mortified about it you know the fact there wasn't enough monitoring xyz i know i'm giving a really long answer here but i think it's important to to have everybody sort of clued in because your past does not need to dictate your future that's a really important thing that i think anybody you know if if you've made a mistake you said something you've done something you did what you knew how to do given the circumstances of your life would you do it now no probably not um so again be gentle with yourself um so then literally how everything was dealt with and then it was it wasn't just a case of a quiet conversation it was a case of right we're going to put this before a board of inquiry we've got to drag you over the coals we're going to do this we're going to make an example of you basically and i know 
I'm I'm 99.9% certain that my boss added fuel to the fire. Um, every conversation he had with me, again, it, it was to do with this. It was, you know, th th there was a lot of stuff that was going on. So I have the conversation. I sit there and I sat with the Bible on my lap because I thought, if if we're going to play this, I'm not your buddy. I'm not your friend. And I'm realizing this because the support that I needed and my wife needed wasn't there. So what you will actually get is a very serious, very business version of myself because I now need to protect myself because I'm. It, it, it's like you, it's like you're Rocky going in against Clubber Lang. You know that you, you're going to have punches coming from everywhere. Um, and they wanted to, to embarrass and was like, well, I think we need to read the messages. I was like, does everybody here know what, what's been said? I was like, yep, yeah. well, I don't need to know what's been said. I know why I'm here roughly. I know it isn't good. That's all I need to know. But you're going to get the truth. And I gave them the truth. I was like, she's done this, she's done that, blah, 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 blah. This ties up all this, that, and the other. And, uh, and it was a, you know, it was an embarrassing situation and everything like that. But what I realized going forward was a lot of the things that I was meant to be promised in terms of, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you, we'll look after you and everything else. It didn't exist. So I leave the church. There was this sort of, you know, half heartfelted gesture, basically, that they gave and whatever. I was like, okay. Um, we took a break, and uh, my in-laws, who are very, very, very much into the church, were pissed. The fact now I don't often swear on on shows or, or publicly, but they were pissed. The fact that we were not going to church, and I was the reason for it. You know, um, you know that they it had been a very difficult relationship, and I tried to explain to them over and over and over again what had happened. But this one night in particular, be clear, it. just interject. Were yeah. they still going to that said church? No, they went to a different church. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So they so they, they chose they chose to go to a different church because of all. Okay. Well, no, it, it, they did. They'd already been going to a different church, but they okay. chose to side with the church as the whole body, the organization, than, right? Yeah, rather than having someone speak out against the church. So, wow. so that they're kind of in essence against you, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. basically. Okay. Um, and it did. I mean, it, it was one short step away from from some sweet chin music, <laughs> literally, um, because it, it got really volatile, like unbelievably so. Um, and one word or, or one sentence really for my father-in-law, you know, changed everything between us. It, it, it really tore everything that was there. Cause it, of all the people that I knew, I expected him to be the one that at least would be in my corner, you know, and at least would listen. And, uh, he felt that I was being preachy. I, he felt I was being this, that, and the other. Anyway. And I was like, I'm trying to explain to you why we're not going. And he's like, well, it's not a good enough reason not to go to church. I was like, okay, so you've been mentally abused for six years. You know, this, that, and the others happened. And you want me to go to the very place that at that time I was the most terrified of. Again, PTSD, didn't know at the time, but I was suffering enormously from it. Um, so I wasn't even thinking clearly. There, there was nothing really... So basically, my wife and I were alone. Um, fast forward, I don't know how long, but we ended up going to another church, which was very superficial. They told us right at the beginning, we, we you know, love people, but we're very superficial. And what, is, like, wait, what does that mean? Basically, we are very surface level. We will smile at you, but if you've got a problem, we don't really care. And they told you that? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. why? What? Well, I mean, this was a minister that also told me about his undescended testicle, about other people within the church having struggles with pregnancy. You know, and you think, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, like, hey, we're a church, but like, we're full of shit. <laughs> like, basically. basically. Yeah. Yeah. We, we suck at discipleship and we suck at, or, or we're very superficial, <laughs> I think is basically what he, what he said. At least he's honest, I suppose. <laughs> At least he's honest. Yeah. yeah. So you know what you're going into, and what, <laughs> you know what you're going to get. Yeah. He, he was he was right. Uh, you know, you're struggling. Everything's going on. You pilled up to the brain. I had a, a calcium deposit in my left shoulder that needed injecting with that same prednisolone injection. So I'm completely stoned out of my head for probably close to a year. 2017. I don't remember very much of it at all. Wow. Um, okay. So you know, there's a lot of serious stuff that's going on. They didn't want to know. We ended up leaving, and I think it was my wife's first realization that, oh my goodness, this is actually happening. This isn't just John being paranoid. And the way that I look at it is if somebody's paranoid, there's a reason for it. 
it, again, nothing ever just happens. Um, you know, as, as much as people want to kid themselves, it never, ever just happens. There is always something somewhere, even if it's a small, tiny fragment that has led to this one incident. Um, so basically, we, we didn't go anywhere for, for a long time. We did eventually find friends when I was running the art class um, that, again, I, I suspect were friends with us because they want to try and get us into the church. As soon as we stepped away when COVID happened, they sort of, we, we, we'll just kind of leave them to their own thing. kind of. And it was really sad because it's like your trust again has been betrayed almost. Um, but yeah, I find it a, a, that the more that I think about it, because I think obviously a lot about different stuff. I'm, I'm like the, the last modern day philosopher, you know, and it's just, I, I see it as oftentimes as a place of control, a place where... A lot of times people will use as a crutch. Uh, there's, there's a lot of amazing people in there, don't get me wrong, but people of our age, quite frankly, the majority I've found to be assholes. That's the only word I can use to describe. You know, and another thing about this as well is like, you're not the first person who's ever said this to me. Yeah. Like I, I met a guy years ago who had a similar experience, like, but he worked in like the admin start side of a yeah. church. And yeah. I, I was also just intrigued that there was just like these normal <laughs> positions like, oh, yeah. you can be like, work in the office at yeah. the church and yeah like there's still business stuff that has to yeah. be you know because oh, yeah. um, oh, yeah. make, no, make no mistake about it it is a church the jesus is the product getting butts on seats is the goal like it or not folks it might be controversial but it's true and i've i saw that yeah. when i worked for the church i saw that when i was a hardcore christian i still say the same thing now you know it, it's uh but again everything is divine everything worked out for me at least for good but it took a long time um to really get over it and like you say i'm not the only person that's that's discovering this yeah and like when when he described it to me he sort of said that the, the similar experiences to, to what you're outlining like this idea that like there's politics yeah, involved oh yeah. in it and yeah. it kind of goes back to what we said much earlier in the show this idea that you know everything's a work Yes. It's fakeness. Yes. It's like, it yeah, is. you know, we all love each other and, and you know, we're all here for each other. But actually, when you need help, fuck you, yeah. part of my language. Yeah, but like, that's the attitude yeah. that you receive. And it's like, that's not very no. what it's all about. No, no. I mean, again, it goes back to that whole thing. And it, and it is really interesting. Even when I was studying at Theological College, I left after the se second year. But I was told by a very, very good friend of mine, it was a good job you left when you did because third and fourth year was about the business of the church, how to run the Shh. business of the church. Jeez. And he was basically told, and this is a little lesson for you, everybody that's listening to this, never ever put your life in another person's hands, especially your professional life, because he went through four years of a doctrine, uh, sorry, of a, of a degree program only to find at the end, oh, we don't think you're minister material. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he, do you know what he did after that? Like how he, I mean, he, well, so much of his life is invested in that. Yeah, his, his wife is a teacher. He still does what we call lay preaching. So he preaches around different churches from time to time, but he didn't do anything. He, you know, I think he was absolutely shattered, to, wow. to be honest, of, of what happened. He's looked since for other opportunities. And he's, funny enough, he, the church that we left for being superficial, he was like, I'm thinking of applying to this church. And I'm like, brother, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, you also, and I found this fun because I, I live in Manchester and you briefly lived in Manchester mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. eventually settling in Scotland. And you described, yeah. you described this experience <laughs> as a disaster. So yeah. I wanted to know, so when did you live in Manchester and why was it a disaster? So um, it was Firstwood in Manchester where I was meant to be going on placement for uh, a, a sort of a Christian gap year. It's basically, you know, to, to get people away, to get them experienced either in youth work or the life of the church, if that's what they're looking at going into. Um, and they thought that Manchester would be a really good place for me to be. Aha. Uh -huh. So when, when would this have been? Uh, <laughs> gosh, I want to say I was maybe 1920. So you're looking maybe about 2008, maybe 2008, 2009, something around that time, maybe even earlier than that. Let me, um, let me let me before they sent you on this placement. Did they mention anything about punishment or just like you were in trouble or maybe maybe I don't 
<laughs> they should have done, uh, especially what followed, because my it was my minister at the time that was just like, oh, I still think it'd be really good for you. Even though the <laughs> night before I'd left, there was, uh, there was a murder. But oh, my gosh. What happened was the victim and the assailant, shall we say, ran through the back gardens of the houses basically where we're staying, and he's wielding a knife and everything. So I arrive in Manchester, you know, very green in many ways, uh, not knowing the ways of the world a lot, and instantly you're thrown into this world. And I was told that, you know, and it, and it wasn't by the minister that told me this. He was very nice to me and very happy. And, you know, again, we'll touch on this uh, a little bit later because he, he, he reveals his true colors, um, shall we say. So basically, I, I meet what's called the church superintendent. And it's basically like your Sunday school leader. Yeah, it, it, it's Church of Scotland or Church of England, um, as it would have been. C CSI Church. Or the yeah, CSI Church. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was literally like, okay, this is this is interesting. Um, so he sits me down. I was, I was in a relationship at the time. And he, he's like, we're going to lay out some ground rules. You know, you know, bear in mind, I've just come out of bodybuilding. Okay, I've got to set that preface. Okay. I've done MMA. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fairly able to take care of myself. But he basically says a couple of different things. He was like, one, you're going to need to learn how to ride a bicycle. And second of all, you're going to want to have either an old fashioned cudgel, which is basically a, a Victorian pole, what they would have used in the sort of the 1930s for police officers or an umbrella. Trudgeon, a trudgeon, like a... a trudgeon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and basically, you don't stop. Now, I'm going through Manchester, and I'm thinking... Oh, hold on. Let's let's just set the scene for this a second. So, a church minister... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, right. this, this was the superintendent. I got to okay, okay. that. Someone high up in the church is telling you that you need to... When you go out and you yeah. run your errands yeah. and do the Lord's work, yeah. you have to be on a bicycle with a trudgeon... Yeah. Potentially to, to yeah. protect yourself and hit other people yeah. with. Yeah, to, to literally... Oh, you could take a Bible bashing to a whole new level. You, know, <laughs> you, you get the amplified version, you Quite could do serious damage with that. Yeah. Oh, well, oh my gosh. Did they suggest that as well? No, no. no. <laughs> but what came out afterwards was, I know you're in a relationship with this girl. Um, if she comes to stay, you're not going to be sleeping in the same bed and you're not going to be doing this and you're not going to be doing that. And yeah. I'm like, first of all, I'm not three years old. Um, and basically his ending statement was, you know, well, we'll hug and make up, but I'll take you out into the car park and I'll kick the out of you. And you're thinking, okay, this is the first time I've met this guy, you know, and you're like, wow, you know, e even with colitis, you know, I'm, sh I'm fairly certain I could have, you know, held my own against this guy even now. But it was so bizarre. And I'm thinking, okay, is this sort of the first, you know, f first sort of weird thing? Um, so I was really taken back by that. And all the way through the uh, the weekend, again, you know, divinely feeling something's not right here. I'm not meant to be here. And you you know when you're meant to be in a place, you, you just you just know you, you know that there is there's an ease about it. There's usually a peace about it. Even if you go into World War Two, you know, if you're meant to be there, you will feel a relaxed, oddly enough, peace and calmness about this. Like I'm meant to be where I am. Did it I hit you straight away, or was it just kind oh, of yeah. gradual? Yeah, yeah, straight Literally away, within yeah. seconds. I got off the I got off the uh, the train. I went to see the minister, um, and uh, you know, as soon as he's driving me around, you know, he said one phrase, and immediately I was just like, mm, "This is possibly not the the, the right place for me to be." A lot of people in the church on that Sunday were really nice, really friendly, um, but they, you know, again, they tried to hem me into making a decision uh, really, really quick. And one of my golden rules is if somebody tries to force you really, really quickly, don't do it. Yeah. Um, because that's what the design, that's what marketers basically do. So I am an R and I'm just like, I, I, I felt in many ways pressured to go there from a minister, from several of the people in my home church and things. And I was like, this is just not, you know, it, it's so eventually I, as they say, I put my big boy pants on, you know, I basically grabbed my grapefruits with both hands and I emailed him and I said, Ross, sorry, you know, I, I just don't think this is for me. And it took me like two weeks to make the decision. The first part of the email comes back very, very nicely, which was, you know, well, after two weeks of not hearing from you, I kind of did start to wonder, you know, and then he, the rest of his email, he blows up, you know, you've done this, you've done that, you've cost us this, you know, how are we meant to get someone now? And I'm like, God, I was right all along. 
or you showed me, uh, you know, that was right all along, not to be there. Um, I then get a, a another a phone call from the, the company called Careforce, who uh, deal with all the kind of placement stuff and whatnot, about going to Scotland. And it was AS Scotland, and I was just like, never heard of it, never been there before. As soon as I got there, I knew right away that I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Um, what was different? The feeling, the emotion, the energy that was there. Um, it certainly wasn't the people. It guaranteed it definitely wasn't the people because I found some of the most difficult people on this journey were, were based in Scotland. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and the Scottish church is very different from, from the, the English church in a lot of ways. Um, How people, does it differ? Exactly. I think in some ways the, the, the Scottish people can be more stoic, particularly the, the older people. So the more, not standoffish, the more reserved, the more, you know, well, if you do this, we're going to tell you. And, and, you know, any era you'd think I'd literally defecated all over the Bible. You know, it, it was it was ultimate severity to the point you're terrified to do anything. Um, whereas up here, I still had that fear, but not from as many people. Um, you know, it was, it was very different, but it was the feeling of like coming home and being here. Um, I found the same thing when I went to Italy, uh, when there was a number of things going on, I was like, I just love, I love being in Italy. Um, so that, yeah, there was, there was a lot of things that were going on for, for sure at the time, but, uh, I, I, in, in a, in, I suppose a more recent interview, you know, I was asked, you know, do you think there's ever a time that we'll see you back in the church? I said, never say never, but the chances are probably not because I've gone beyond, I've transcended beyond the, the church. And uh, I think quite honestly, if a lot of people who are seeking genuine spirituality and to seek, to, to seek genuine spiritual growth, I think sometimes the best thing is something like a COVID, you know, where you are at home, you can't go out and it's just you, you know, and uh, you, you don't get so hooked up in, well, I got to do this theological, I got to do that theological, you know, on and on and on. Generally speaking, on, on my show, I, I don't talk politics and, and religion, but like I, I will kind of allow for it in certain instances, yeah. like, and, and, you know, that line, it's always a, a tricky one. <laughs> but I think the important thing to stress with this, I will, I will talk on this for a second. Mm -hmm. I've always seen religion as, as quite like a, a personal thing. Yes. And, you know, because they say sometimes like you can't ask about someone's mm -hmm. income, you can't ask about their religion and you do it's very personal. And people still do. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> and I always look at it like there always seems to be these rules that aren't yeah. rules. Like who says that you have to go to a church or a mosque yeah. or a synagogue to follow your religion? Mm -hmm. Who says that you have to follow each and every rule in this book so stringently? Yeah. Like I think more people should embrace this idea that you can follow things that feel right for you. Mm -hmm. Like I had a really, really amazing chat with a, with a Muslim guy on the street the other day. Yeah. And he was like one of the first Muslims that I've met that was like truly open-minded yes. and wasn't trying to like convert me or anything like that. He was just talk we were just talking, we were talking yeah. about life. We were talking about, belief systems we go back and forth it was fun and and it it really felt refreshing yeah and i remembered saying to him that like i keep an open mind mm -hmm. to all religions yeah and i pick and choose things like i'm mm -hmm. i'm spiritual that's kind of where i'm at but like i i pick and choose and i have my own sort of beliefs yeah. and he sort of caught me at one point he was like well if you're truly open-minded you'll take this and you'll consider this and i was like yeah you're right you got me all right i'll look into it and i took the information and you know and I, i've read a little bit here and there and i take what from what from what i want but i guess what i'm trying to say with this is that wherever you are whatever your situation is however you feel about religion one way or another like don't feel pressured like taking take a leaf out of out of uh, john's book here don't feel pressured to have to do these yeah. things like it should be something that feels right for you like if you have an interest in this pursue it yeah. see see where it leads you see if it feels right yeah. you know don't feel the peer pressure of a particular group who are pushing you into it because maybe that's that's not for you you know like right. and i'm not even saying that the reverse is not a good thing either i'm I, i'm sure there and i've seen there are many 
um churches and organizations and stuff that that are good and well run oh, yeah. and and, yeah. and it all comes down that's the thing it all comes down to the people yeah you know that's it's it, like uh, anything often, yeah it's always the people that, that make or break a situation be it a church a workplace uh, other sort of organization it's the people that make the place it is and and that's the thing you know you, you you've always to remember the stuff that i'm sharing tonight obviously it's from my journey you know, sure. and, I, and I say this to so many people, it's like, your journey's not my journey. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I found when I didn't have, you know, again, the feeling of the church breathing down my neck that I could study, you know, uh, the Bonisattvas, the Bhagavad Gita's, you know, various religions and, and, and textbooks all over the, you know, all over the world, um, you know, and, and I love to study. I mean, I really just enjoy that rather than being told, well, no. If you're going to study, you need to study just, you know, Christian truth. And it's like, why? It's like, do you think that God is just limited to, to you know, being a Christian? You know, it's like that blows people's mind when you tell them that God isn't a Christian. And it's like, oh, well, well, he has to be. He has to be. It's like, why? Why? Well, you know, I remember so, once my dad said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said that all religions are connected and they're all part of the same thing. It and it be. kind of it like blew my mind to even yeah. hear that. I was like, wait, are you saying they're like, pieces of the same puzzle and he's like yeah well, well here's like- the whole thing about it that you you can almost again scientifically take this to the bank at one point we all travel together as human beings you know and it was literally you chose to go north i chose to go east and that's mm-hmm. where the first separation came and then it happened over and over and over and over again people forgot that and now we're at war with people who once you know we would have sat down and broken bread with you know, what I love, you know, again, what you said there, Christian, uh, you know, again, about being open to everything, that is really key. Have a mind that's open to everything and close to nothing, because you'll find actually just being open enough, even to explore just for yourself. You don't need to involve anybody else, just explore for yourself. You'll be amazed at what comes along on your path, you know. And again, if something comes along that you think, mm, don't really like that, imagine it as a, as a boulder. You can put that down anytime you want. And when I learned that with my past experiences, you know, that was so freeing. You know, I don't need to hold this anymore. At any point, I'm free to choose who the heck I want to be. If I want to be a wrestler, go be a wrestler. If I want to be a best-selling author, go be a best-selling author. You cre- you're creating it. You know, why not? Beautiful. <laughs> um, one more question, just to kind of close the whole mm-hmm. religious uh, yeah. chapter of this. So, what would you say was like the craziest or weirdest interaction that you had or experience that you had? Like we've already outlined some sort of like quite traumatic experiences, but was there anything that you ever kind of looked at and you're like, that's bizarre. What, what the hell was that? Oh, there's many things that I looked at and was bizarre. The the, the first, then probably the, the one that always comes to mind when, when I'm asked that question is that there was a, how do I phrase this? There was a church goer. Let's put it like that. There was okay. a church goer. Um, I'd been speaking at a meeting, uh, I think it was possibly in Troon, and we're sat there, we're waiting on the church, and all of a sudden this churchgoer comes up, and he is loaded up on something, like, and it ain't the Holy Spirit. And he basically said, you know, when, when the train comes, we're going to jump in front of the train. Oh, my and, God. And, and we're going to trust God is going to pass us through the train, almost like the um, the old film. I think it's The Holy Man. and uh, uh, Steve, is it Steve? Paul Hogan, I think it is. It's filmed back from the 80s. He's basically dead. And he passes through this bus and all sorts of other stuff happen. Um, and it literally, I mean, he was wanting me to jump, you know, on, on, you know, in front of this train and whatever. And he was he was willing to go for it, man. And I was just like, no, I think I'm good because the Lord ain't calling me to do that tonight. You know, maybe another night, but for tonight, I'm good. Uh, got on the train and he stood there. And I mean, I've, I've, again, you know, when people say there's only one spirit, there's only one energy and things like that. I, honestly, I mean, I've seen the devil in people. You know, you see it in their eyes and it's just a glimpse. And he stood there that night on that train track and he is watching me. And I'm thinking, this is weird like really really weird um that's probably one of the, always probably one of the ones that comes to mind when uh when we get into that there have been others you know that they, again walking up the street somebody looks at you and it's just it's for a bl- brief moment it looks like their eyeballs are hollowed out and to a lot of people you know they'll hear this and like what the heck is this you mean it? okay let's explore this for a second you yeah. mean like black like because yeah, like, you said you saw yeah. The, yeah. the devil and people yeah. like I haven't seen that in years. I mean, I tend not to go out all that much now. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen that. 
seen that a number of times. What do yeah. you make of that? Do you think that person's like possessed or something? Only God knows. <laughs> but it was also the energy that came with that person as well. It was a very cold, unsettling energy. It was like, it was like, again, quoting Harry Potter, it was like all the joy had been sucked out of the, the street. It was frightening. Yeah. Jesus. Literally. <laughs> well, I mean, I personally don't believe in, in God. Like, that's where I'm at. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I, I do believe in something. And the closest experience I've had to this, I don't know that I've ever told this story before. Um, I was at university. And I was in the library. And there was this guy, basically me and my ex-girlfriend, it was a very toxic, horrible relationship. And we would always argue and often argue in public places, which was obviously really embarrassing for me. Yeah. And 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 it was it was just horrible. Anyway, um, we're having an argument on the second floor of this library. <sighs> you know, she gets up, she storms off. It's it's just a nightmare. But there was this guy there who I'd spoken to him a few times. I think he's a form of energy vampire, but mm -hmm. like n not the classic one who talks your ear off. He's more like <laughs> the type that kind of thrives on drama, maybe drama yeah. vampire, call yeah. it that. Anyway, I remember distinctly she walked off. I'm I'm kind of like figuring out my next step. And I just look up and I see him smirking, smiling, yeah. like, like for those who are listening, like imagine the face of someone that's just kind of lapping up every yeah. second of this confrontation. Like, even though it's been and gone, it's been very quick. Like they're just like they they it's like yeah. they thrive off that horrible energy. And I like normally I just give someone a dirty look at me or whatever. But I turned around to him. I was like, "What the hell is your problem?" <laughs> and I, I think I I swore at him or something. And <laughs> he he kind of you know he shunted yeah. back a little bit, but like he still was kind of giggling, like mm -hmm. or, like enjoying it. And yeah. I remember thinking in that moment, like this person's sick that yeah. they enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. But these people are out there. Oh yeah, and I don't know if if evil is necessarily the right word, but like you see it in people sometimes. Yeah. Um, the 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 more so like I've never seen what you just said. That would terrify me. That's straight yeah. out of a horror movie. Yeah, but I've seen like bad people, and often mm -hmm. it's more to do with like the fact that they thrive on drama. They get yeah. excited by drama, and I'm like, oh no, that's not for me. And I I tend to like leave that situation yeah. if if someone's like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's what, what do you make you, of a situation like that? Oh, well, I mean, when, when you really get into it, I mean, I discovered when I was certainly in my last church that I felt like I was a, a sole trader in a much bigger business. Like I was, I was there and I felt this so many times when I've been in places, I'm very much aware of me, how I'm feeling and the spirit within, and then I'm watching and feeling other people, not literally folks, I've got to clarify that as well, don't want to get pulled up for, you know, and these days you've got to be careful for absolutely everything, you know, because <laughs> you never know what people are going to piece together. But literally, you're feeling the energy of a room, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is bizarre. This is well, well let's speak to that for a second, yeah. because you're saying the energy of a room. Now, I think mm -hmm. when most people, when they think of a church or something like that, they think, you know, and I, I've been into a few churches yeah. before, like for someone's wedding or confirmation yeah. or something. And it's just, it's just people singing hymns. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a little, I don't know, meeting afterwards. Everyone has like, some cheese and crackers or whatever, you know, like it's a lot of the time it'll be nice. Yeah. But you're saying the energy's off sometimes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what do you what do you mean by that? So people have said to me, "But it's a church," and that's where I thought right. you'd go with that. It's a church. It's the holiest place. Well, like, well, kind of. Yourself. Like, like I mean, okay, I'm not playing the fool here. No, like, even though we are all the fool, um, that's that's the true wisdom and yep. knowledge of the universe. Yeah. But uh, we see. Honestly, when you realize that, you realize everything. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, the whole point is it's supposed to be. A, form of comfort uh a way to kind of guide people in life yeah. stuff like that like there's at its core it's supposed to be a positive thing now obviously as we've sort of outlined in this show very well that way isn't it 
<laughs> we've we've outlined in this show i don't have any any lines christian certainly when it comes to things like that because i do know i and it's not just it's it's not just a suspicion it's a knowing you know in some ways the church can be the best place that the devil deals is is, is ultimate work because people go in there thinking oh i'm going to get spiritual guidance i'm going to get this i'm going to get that what you often get is browbeating judged attacked abused fill in the blank but why do you think that is do you think it's like oh who can be the best religious person or or is it just like do you think okay i guess what i'm really asking you is do you think the the structure and the system is actually uh, causing people to act in that way absolutely it's designed to do that i mean you know when you really look at it at its core take the church of scotland for example let, let, let's let's break it down so Church of Scotland, I sat in a meeting uh, many, many years ago. Uh, I was invited to it. And it was regards to the Sunday school. They said the Sunday school just isn't growing. It's falling off. It's not the same as it was in the 1950s. And I was like, that's because it's 20, whatever it was, 15, right. 14, 13. They concluded after about two and a half hours of which my opinion was asked um, very, very you know, bluntly. Well, now let's see what our youth worker thinks. And I said, well, the simple thing is, you know, are we building relationship with the parents? Because if you get the parents, you're going to get the children. To wit, the answer was no, we haven't done that in a while or whatever. But they ultimately concluded after two and a half hours that the biggest problem with the Sunday school was the name of Sunday school. So what they actually came out with was let's call it school, S-K-O-O-L, and that will make it cool. Sunday school's cool. And they thought that was the problem. And you're thinking, okay, that's one small example. They tried to do a lot of stuff within regards to our youth group and things. You know, we need to see your, um, you know, your lesson plans and things. And I was like, I'd never do lesson plans. You know, that's not the way I operate at all. We want to see six months of them. Is it any wonder why a short time later I left? Because when people start to control and micromanage everything, why do you think the church is dying? Why do you think literally, and I, what I mean by that, got to clarify, the church building. Why do you think the church buildings are dying? Churches all over here, there used to be hundreds and hundreds on every street. Now they're amalgamating into one. They're dying because they're no longer serving the needs of the public. Essentially, life coaching has become like the new church. Gary Vee is, uh, is, uh, is your bishop, and Tony Robbins is the pope. You could um, make an argument, though, just interject for a second, mm -hmm. that technology is, is largely changing that. I mean, like, you could do, for example, Zoom meeting, yep. get-togethers. Right. Like, uh, I imagine that. Right, yep. precisely. So technology has a part mm -hmm. to play in this. That doesn't mean Oh yeah. maybe it's transforming, in a sense. I think it will go back to what it used to be, which is the small family meetings that get-togethers and things. Um, but again, I, and I would love to be able to sit here and say, you know, you know, a lot of really great things about the church because for 15 years I worked in it and I a lot of it I loved. But unfortunately, when you see master manipulators, when you see a lot of the dark stuff that's there firsthand, initially you start questioning yourself. It's like, you know, surely not, surely not. C couldn't be this, couldn't be this. And then you see it over and over and over and not just in one church, but in multiples and multiples and multiples. And it goes on and on and on. And you're thinking, wow. What's the worst thing you ever saw? I would probably say mental abuse. So to extrapolate upon that, it, it, over... Let's dive into that a little bit more. Dominating. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As in using their position oh, yeah. to abuse people yeah. mentally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've also seen people's confession in the Catholic church and in the Episcopal church made into a sermon. And then the minister looked directly over at the person. Yeah. yeah. Private conversations. All for, for those who don't know as well, the confession is supposed to be like a confidential thing yeah. in same as like, mm -hmm. um, doctors confidentiality. Yeah. yeah. Or psychological yeah. You know, therapists, confidentiality, yeah. et cetera. Uh, that's terrifying, man. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. outrageous. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, and it's changing now, but for a long time, a lot of people got away with whatever it is they were doing because they, you know, worked in the church, because they were a minister, because they were a vicar, because they were a reverend. And now it's not held with the same reverence as what it once was. 
and people are, I mean, you, you look at it, you know, how the church has diminished greatly, I think has a lot to do as well with the family dynamics, that we're not spending as much time together as a family on the whole, and statistics show that. All of the, the mental health battles and struggles, which I could speak at, for length on, um, you know, all of these different things, they're all interwoven. And when you see this happening over and over and over again, you know, I mean, I've seen people literally, you know, you know, Sheffield had it, you know, it, it was like the orgies. They would have orgies on Saturday night, stand up there and preach on Sundays. I was never at it. I got to, <laughs> got to well, well, clarify well, that. So to be clear, when you say yeah. that. Yeah, you got it in one. Yeah. You mean actual. Yeah. yeah. They would open up the church on a Saturday night. Families would go in, uh, well, again, specify husband and wife, husband, husband, whatever. And it was basically like a free-for-all. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, i got to stress, this isn't for everyone, because like you said, there are some genuine, and there's a lot of amazing people out there. But I think the problem is, you know, as, as Tony Stark says, you know, when you get something, it starts out pure, it starts out innocent it starts out as, a, as an amazing idea and a concept that people want to love and follow and get behind and then unfortunately the egos get in the way and god right. gets pushed out and people unfortunately confuse god divine spirit kankashua whatever you want to phrase it as as the church and that's one of the biggest issues that's why a lot of people turn around and say well i don't believe in god because if the church is a reflection of god i don't want anything to do with it and i can totally understand why it's well, more of a reflection you, you, of the people though isn't it yeah, goes back to what correct. we said before that like yeah. the issue isn't the belief system necessarily yeah, it's yeah. more to do with the people running the show and and right. like that that can happen with anything anything yeah, any situation like people absolutely. can but then the argument's always made well no church is perfect and the church is meant to set itself apart and oh you need to be gracious but to me being gracious doesn't mean negating what actually has happened like what we talked about earlier on when I'm, you know, on that medication as high as a kite and everything, the person who had been propositioning me for about three years at that point was a church leader. You know, it's like it's a, a huge abuse of power. Like that's, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, that the, you know, without naming names, one of the, the highest people in leadership, uh, you know, was result directly, you know, a result of mental health and abusing and bullying and everything else. Um, you know, and, and why so do I've you, seen that. go on. So I interrupted. A no, no, I was just go gonna say, so I've seen that firsthand, you know, that that's the thing. A lot of people want to argue and say, Oh, well, you know, it's all third party, you know, sort of hearsay. It's like, no, I've seen this firsthand over 15 years. You know, the, the minister in my home church battered and abused his wife. She became a stripper. You know, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Wow. So, yeah. Why Why do you think these, these things keep happening and aren't kind of sort of investigated, dealt with, rooted out, etc.? Like, why, why is it, are they allowed to happen? I think, quite honestly, because human beings as a whole have a really horrible ability of not learning from their lessons i think that's what it comes down to you know i mean but, this... but more specifically like okay we've we've illustrated that in a lot yeah. of these instances it's being run by people and they're letting their power get yeah. you know their egos as you mentioned yeah. get to their heads and, and they're you know allowing these awful things to happen where they shouldn't happen why do you think like in these organizations it keeps happening though and that hasn't been like say rooted out and, and dealt with and and investigating so, like, i mean i, it's, I yeah. don't know like you know no, what but the answer like, to that simple christian it's because the minister if you if you liken it to a, a herd of bees or a herd of wasps you know it literally surrounds his or herself with ultimate protection so in the church of scotland you have the kirk session which is 30 or 40 people in the big churches that are there designed to protect the minister they are going to take the minister's word so much at face value over one person. Now, they will have to investigate, don't get me wrong, but as we know, I mean, you, you know, you can do a limited investigation and say, well, we've investigated this. You know, I had an option after I left. Um, and I remember, again, bath time, it was like I'm laid there and I was I, I was so close. I'd written a letter to the Kirk session and I, I just laid there and I was like, I need to send this. I need to I need to do this. 
And again, it was like divine spirit from your voice from beyond, whatever you want. It's like, I'm not going to tell you not to do this, but are you prepared for the kind of worms that this is going to open up? Are you prepared to go through what you would need to do for this person to see justice? And I just got to the point, I was like, no, because at that point I wasn't strong enough to deal with it. Now I would have a completely different answer. Um, and, and I will have a completely different answer, but there is more than one way to skin a cat. Bear in mind, I'm an ultimate creative. So there's a lot of different ways to, to you know, to, to kind of deal with these things. Um, but I think it hasn't happened because again, people oftentimes don't speak up. If they do speak up, you know, that they're, they're often shouted down, um, you know, and it's, it's no surprise why the church is seen. I mean, historically, the church has always been seen as a place of control and power. It's just been painted in a very different light. You go back far enough. I mean, Charlemagne, you know, basically w would behead and burn anyone that didn't, you know, renounce their faith and become a Christian. You know, this isn't new what's happening. Um, it's just certainly, it, it, it's a shame in a lot of ways. But again, it's it's. I, I said this to my wife the other day. I was like, when you actually break it down and everything, it's like the ultimate cult. <laughs> it's like it's just grown to worldwide proportions. Um, and as like you know, now because I don't have like I said that filter and that line, I'm like, well, why can't I explore the fact that this could be happening or that could be happening? Um, again, like I, I alluded to earlier on, you know, a friend of mine uh, was in a pursuit of of spiritual truth. Um, but they were only reading, and, and I, I said to them, I was like, well, what books are you reading? And uh, and her and her husband politely said, you know, oh, we're reading, you know, everything Christian. We're reading the Bible, we're reading this. I was like, ah, right, so you're in pursuit of Christian truth. And like, what do you mean? I was like, if you're in true pursuit of truth, you explore everything from every angle. And that's your life's work, rather than just this one little branch where you miss the whole picture. And a bit better myself. <laughs> right let's 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 end this all on on like a, a fun note because yes. we've we've explored a lot of heavy stuff we i have. wanted to say that massive thank you for exploring that with us pleasure, and, and i know it's always quite heavy when you explore topics like this stuff you've been through it's so it takes its toll on you and i want to enjoy of... it because it's not often that i get asked these kind of questions which is super nice so i really really appreciate it thank you sir um I ask every guest these questions. Uh, I'd love to get your response. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest mistake you've made that you learned a valuable life lesson from? Wear a helmet when you're riding a skateboard on concrete. Oh. I can attest to this. I used to do skateboarding years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it blows my mind how, and this is the thing when you're a teenager, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't need a helmet. Yeah. I remember thinking that. And then you hear about that one kid that didn't, and now they're in a wheelchair the rest of their life, yeah. or they're paralyzed from the waist down or, or whatever. And it's like, to wear a helmet. We we see the same with kids that are on bicycles. And, and all it needs is the chain to go, the spokes to go, something to go, and you go, you know, flying over the top. Yeah, that's, that's probably I'm, the number one that comes to mind. I'll just say it as well on a side note. Why do they make concrete skate parks and metal skate like when i was growing up it was all metal skate parks there was yeah. a few wooden ones which wood is the best material to use it, well, the, it cushions the fall a bit yeah i mean also because bubble wrap doesn't travel all that well you know you can't have a bubble wrap skate park you've got to have sure. something you know <laughs> yeah but that's why wood works best yeah. because like yeah. metal for example during the summer i'm sure you had this issue as mm -hmm. well like if you lay down on it boom you're gonna burn yeah. when you fall over on that yeah ah, it, it yeah. conducts heat obviously yeah. and with concrete i mean well need i say more i yeah just I ended up worst. basically, I, I think I was maybe about 10 or 11. And I still remember it to this day. I still remember the skateboard. But I ended up smashing the back of my head. I mean, I went up, went down, and I ended up with an eggshell about the size of my fist on the back of my head. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, thankfully, apparently, there wasn't any brain damage. You know, <laughs> who knows? But, uh, yeah, that, 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 was, that, was, that was one of the first things that, that come to my mind for sure. Yes. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received? 
so the, again, the one that comes straight to mind has been one of the more recent ones with regarding, uh, with regarding writing the novel series. And it's God may show you the entire plan of your life. It's up to you to do the work. He may lead you to the well, but it's up to you to drink. And what you find is that all the lessons that you have are great. But at some point, and this is the true meaning of a Buddha, you go back into the real world and you've got to apply them all. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Be very discerning who you open up to. Be very discerning who you allow into your inner core. Um, and don't assume everybody who smiles at you is going to be your friend. You know, I think one of the, the, the sort of the takeaways of this really to, to sort of summarize all of that would be, it's great if people come along to help you. But if they don't, you still need to be able to run your business yourself and you still need to be able to manage everything you do. It's on you. Couldn't agree more, man. Some really solid advice there. Final question for you. Do you have any upcoming projects or final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? We, we do indeed. Um, so we've got a brand new novel series that's going to be coming out very, very soon. It's been under wraps for about 10 years. So everything's wow. still in-house. So when people tell me, you know, I've had this idea and I've been working out for six months and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I was like, brother, sister, I've, I've been doing this for a decade. Trust me, you're holding that vision in your head for a decade and every day working towards it, then come back to me. Um, so we've got that coming out very, very soon. There'll be more details to follow on the website about that. We've also got an upcoming podcast, which has been delayed for a variety of reasons, called Whispers of the Highlands, which will be sort of in conjunction with, uh, with the new novel series. So that's super, super cool. If you love mystery and thriller and podcasts, it's done as only we can do it. You know, again, it's the immersive experience. It's not just reading to you a story. It's, it's literally as if you were there experiencing the full thing. And just our usual everyday stuff as well. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're pretty busy. Thank you so much for appearing on the show, John, and being so generous with your time. I really, really appreciate it. It is a pleasure, my friend. I hope we get to do it again at some point. Super I'd love, yeah, absolutely. You're always welcome back on the show. Um, I had an absolute blast. Thank you so much. And to all the listeners of the Christian Reed podcast, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And uh, yeah, quick reminder before we go, please, as I mentioned at the beginning, leave us a review on Podchaser, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to this show, leave us a review, subscribe, leave us a rating, whatever. Please, it really helps us out with the algorithm and I, I love to see what you think as well of the show. It's not just about uh, helping the show. It's it's just good to know what you think and, you know, who you'd like to see on the show again, what you'd like us to be talking about. Like all of this stuff means so much to me. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, also make sure to subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash Christian Reeve and get yourself exclusive act to access to bonus content and support the show, support everything that I'm doing here. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, until next time, I'll see you in the next one.